Welcome back, everyone, to the Worthy C podcast. This is Chip Stewart. It's Monday, August 28th, 2023. And uh, I know it's been a while, um, but uh, here I am back um, sharing my thoughts with you. It's on this, uh, this, stormy, this stormy evening. And um, the episode has been entitled Daniel... Servant of the Living God, and um, I named it as such because of the way Daniel is described in, in the book of Daniel, the, the book by that uh, his name is given to, and um, I was inspired by one of the uh, the men uh, in my in our in our men's group at church to go back and read the book of Daniel this summer while I was in the Roman province of Illyricum and <laughs> read that as Croatia um, this summer. And I, I really started to look at it more from a prophetic nature. Uh, I'd like to start laying out the prophecy for um, Daniel's 70th week, the millennium, things like that, so I can satisfy, be satisfied for myself um, what the order of events are and things like that. It's going to take a while. Uh, that's not, it's not going to happen overnight. But as I was reading Daniel, what stood out? for me, what really leapt out from the pages at me was how Daniel was described in the book. And in addition to that, how God was described, in particular by Gentile kings. And so I know we've we've done a lot of studies, and y'all probably have as well, um, about the prophecy within the book of Daniel, um, the, the fiery furnace, the lion's den, things like that. But I want to make sure that we don't miss these two things, the obedience of Daniel as described in this book and then how God is described. And I think, you know, when we look at Daniel, we ourselves, you know, what can we take away from this? Well, we should strive to be esteemed like Daniel is for our faith, for our obedience to Christ, for our obedience to our Father in heaven. And then when we look at how God is described, do we believe these things about God? Because it's amazing when you step back and you, and you look at all the ways God is described. It's it's pretty comprehensive. It doesn't necessarily hit everything, but it's it's pretty good, especially when you consider coming from um, Gentile kings of the of the time. So what I like to do first, I like to start with Daniel. And when we consider Daniel, here's a man who is obedient even when in exile in a foreign land. Are we not, you know, when we look at ourselves, are we not the same? Are we not exiles here? Are we not pilgrims um, here in this world as as Christians, as children of God? Um, we're ambassadors. This is not our home. Our, you know, our, we are citizens of heaven. So in a way, we're also exiles in a foreign land. And so when you look at Daniel, he was part of uh, the exiled nation of Israel taken in captivity to Babylon. And yet, in this place where there's other gods to worship, there's, there's other pagan practices to take part in, in spite of all of this, Daniel chose to be obedient to God. And then it, through his obedience, you know, he, he is showing his faith through his works. So if you go to the book of James, it talks about showing, demonstrating our faith 
with our works, through our works. And that's exactly what Daniel did. He believed God. He, he, he had faith, and he demonstrated it through all the works that are described within the book of Daniel uh, itself. And some of those actions, um, one of the first ones that, that will um, appear is in chapter 1, when he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine. And this is primarily uh, due to the Jewish dietary laws uh, that he, he knew in the scriptures. And he chose not to eat the king's food. And, and that is quite risky because that, that's, a, that's a slap in the face to the king. That's an insult to the king not to eat his food. And so to be obedient to God risks potential, potentially death in this case, maybe. Um, certainly some sort of punishment. But it proved to be good for them to obey God in this situation and obey the Jewish dietary laws. And there was a proverb that came to, that came to mind as I was thinking about not defiling himself, and his three companions didn't defile themselves either with the king's food. And that's Proverbs 23, starting in verse 1. Um, and going through verse 3, and it says, When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. So being deceptive food, it could cause you to compromise who you are, what you believe in, your faith in God, and, and being obedient um, to your Father in heaven. I I think that this is kind of tangential and, and ancillary the primary reason why they were they were obedient was because that is what God had commanded the Jewish people the second one uh, can be found in chapter 2 in starting verse 12 where Daniel sought God's mercy when no one no one else none of the other wise men could interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the king as a result the king was going to have all the wise men killed so he prays with his three companions so there's corporate prayer here. And he's being obedient. He turns to God when he is faced with this problem, with, with certain death. And he, he turns to the source of wisdom in the universe, which is God, to, to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And um, it made me think of James chapter 5, verse 16, in the second part of that verse, where it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And as we read through Daniel, we see that, that Daniel certainly is a righteous man. And his prayer certainly had great power. You know, he knew who to turn to to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. That's God. And God answered him. So the next um, time that we can see Daniel's obedience is that after God, the Lord, revealed uh, the dream to him, he gave thanks. He praised and worshiped God above for, for giving him the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And that's also in, in chapter 2, starting in verse 19. And then after that, Daniel is obedient by faithfully communicating the interpretations provided by God to Nebuchadnezzar and later on Belshazzar, even when it's bad news. So the three instances we have here are the golden statue, which uh, was to Nebuchadnezzar, which wasn't bad news. Um, you also had the great tree, which was bad news when the king was going to be made into a beast and, and he's going to lose his kingdom for a time and go out and eat the grass of the field. Um, and then the handwriting on the wall, uh, which was certainly bad news to uh, the king, to King uh, Belshazzar. So Daniel was faithful in communicating what God gave him. Because you never know when you give a king bad news, it could end up with your head on a platter. 
Another way that Daniel was obedient, he continued to pray and give thanks to God in spite of a royal edict not to pray to any other except Darius with the punishment, if you did, of being cast in the lion's den for violating the edict. So now we're in chapter 6. So instead of instead of wanting to protect his life and save his life, he was obedient to God and continued to pray to God and no one else. God alone. No other idle human who thinks he's God, anything like that, with knowing full well the punishment was going to be death. And he was found out. And he was thrown into the lion's den. And then in the lion's den itself, he trusted God. And how do we know this? Well, in chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. You know, we think, we think glibly about, you know, being in the lion's den and, and things like that. We need to ask ourselves as followers of Christ, do we really trust God in the course of our lives to protect our life, no matter what situation we find ourselves? Or do we think we need to take matters into our own hands and potentially be disobedient to God to protect our own lives? Because here it says, Daniel trusted God in the lion's den. And that's why they found no harm on him whatsoever. And then finally, the, the obedience that we have um, demonstrated by Daniel. He reads and believes the scriptures. Um, we can see that demonstrated in chapter 9 and verse 2. Um, but we're going to talk about um, chapter 9 more in, in a little bit. I'm going I'm to pull that out separately. But he, this is where he's reading about the restoration of Jerusalem, and he believes what God says, and he goes to God in prayer directly to, to directly address that and pray that God fulfill what he had said in his scriptures. So, you know, looking back at Daniel's obedience, he, he is an obedient servant of God. You know, is this how we live as Christians? Do we live not to be defiled by the things of the world? like the, the food that, that was served to him by the king, him and his three companions. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the, God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So do we keep ourselves undefiled from the world? Do we seek God's mercy when we're in difficult situations? Or again, do we try to find our own, own way out potentially in disobedience to the way God has called us to, um, to act in this life. Do we give thanks to the Lord continually? Daniel gives thanks um, and sets a great example for us. Are we faithful in communicating what God says in his scriptures, even though it's bad news? There's a lot of bad news in the scripture for people who aren't saved, but hopefully that will lead them to Christ. But do we shrink from sharing that uh, because we're afraid? We're afraid of what, what they might think. Do we refuse the things of the world and instead seek the glory of Christ? So I, I say this. There was one point. Um, there's, I think, actually two points I missed up here. Um, one, another, another example of his obedience was that he refused to accept reward from King Belshazzar for interpreting the handwriting on the wall, the, wall. the reward being clothed in purple, um, given a gold chain, and being the third ruler in the kingdom. 
And he, he went ahead and interpreted it anyway, but he refused the reward that was offered by the king. That's in chapter 5, um, starting verse 16. And he and in another example of his obedience, he continued to pray and give thanks to God in spite of a royal edict not to pray to any other. So that, and that and I want to highlight that. I, I did talk about that, but about he continued to pray and give thanks to God. And that's what leads me to say, do we give thanks to God continually? Um, also, are we faithful even when faced with persecution? Because Daniel was faced with persecution a couple times here, you know, with the lion's den and, and things of that nature. And his companions were too, and I'll talk about the companions um, later on toward the end. But are, are we faithful to God even with faced with persecution? Do we tr- to truly trust God with our lives? Do we read the scriptures regularly and do we truly believe what it says, like Daniel did, that Jerusalem would be, they would be restored to Jerusalem? So based on all of this obedience, um, this demonstrated obedience of Daniel, in spite of him being in exile in a foreign land, let's now look at what is said of Daniel. I think this is really what stood out for me as I was reading, um, reading the book of Daniel. So he was known as one who serves God continuously, and this by a Gentile king, no less. So in chapter 6, verse 16, It says, Darius, before throwing him into the lion's den, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And then then on down in verse 20, Darius declares to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Is that what people around us can say? Are are non-Christian friends, do they see us as someone who serves God continually, can call us a servant of the living God? I think that's what we, we that's the fragrance that we want to, to have around us is the fragrance of serving God, that of, of being obedient to Him and be known for that. If, if people around you um, don't, don't see you as that, then, you know, or us, really, uh, maybe, maybe we need to rethink you know, how we're living because those around us should see us as servants of the living God. And then, and then he's also said to be blameless, found blameless. And the question is by who? So chapter 6, tw- uh, verse 21, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So who found him blameless? It was his Father in heaven. I was found blameless before him, before God. And also before the king. He had done no harm to the king either. That's what we should be found. This is what we should aspire to be found by God, to be found blameless by him. And by blameless, we don't say that we are perfect. In no way are we perfect. We do sin. But blameless is a way of saying when we do sin, we acknowledge it before our God. We ask for his forgiveness. We humble ourselves before our God. We're seeking God. We're being obedient to Christ. He is our everything, and that's our aim in life. So being found blameless. And then, um, 
it talks about him being a man greatly loved who seeks to understand, humbles himself before God. Again, the question is greatly loved by whom? And, and why is he greatly loved? So this is found in chapter 10, starting in verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set, set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. And then down in verse 18, Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. So he's been addressed twice now as a man greatly loved. By whom? By God. By God. And it describes him as someone who sets his heart to understand. So understand what God, what God's purpose is. Understand what is going on. Um, but he seeks that understanding and that wisdom from God himself. And it says here, he humbled himself before his God. And that is what we must be doing. We seek God for understanding. We must constantly humble ourselves before our Lord because pride is something that, that God hates. We need to be humble before him and, and humble in our discourse with, with, our fellow, um, with our fellow man. And then back to man greatly loved. I, I think we'd all love to hear this, that, that we are a man or woman greatly loved by God. But why, why is Daniel greatly loved? It is most likely because of his obedience, because of his humility, because he seeks God continually for understanding, for deliverance. He gives thanksgiving to God. He gives praise to God. He is God-oriented through and through. He He's totally dedicated to, to his Lord, his Father in heaven. And and God sees him in, in his and, and Daniel's love for him, and, and he's loved in, in return. So what a commendation um, from, from God on high um, for Daniel. Um, some of you may already know this, but Daniel's name means God is my judge. So you have El at the end is God, and Dani. Don is judge. Dani is my judge. So God is my judge. And this is the way that Daniel certainly lived before God. There is no other judge in his life, not, not a man, no, nobody else. It was God who, who he saw as his judge that judged every one of his actions and thus his obedience. Because he knew that he needed to be obedient to God. And it was God he needed to please and not man. Because if you think about it, <laughs> here he is getting crosswise with kings who have the power to put him to death and tried, but God saved him. He saved his companions too in a similar situation. But it was to God to whom he looked to for his evaluation, for his commendation, and, and that's it. That's it. Nobody else. And you can, I think bottom line, Daniel fears God. Throughout the scriptures, it talks about us needing to fear God. And he feared God rather than man. And that applies to us as well. We need to remember that as we live our lives. We should not fear man. We need to fear our Father in heaven. And, and, and it's a, a proper fear. 
It's a reverential fear, not wanting to disappoint him, to, to obey his commands, knowing he's our creator. But also he's our comforter. He's our protector. But we need to fear God rather than man. Daniel has certainly set that example for us. Okay? So we need to live this way. You know, we need to have God in our lives as the one who judges our thoughts and our actions, not the world or anything in the world. We want to be con- commended by our Lord, called greatly loved, found blameless in our lives, be obedient to him. And it reminds me of, of Matthew in chapter 25, verse 21, where it says, um, you know, Jesus is talking about um, being faithful. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So you hear a similar commendation here from the master, which the, in, in this analogy here, it, in, in the parable, it's, it's Jesus in, this, in the story he's telling. And so we want to hear that from our Lord. And Daniel gives us that, that example of obedience and how to, how to act in this life toward man and toward God. So speaking of God, now let's look at the description of our Father in Heaven in the book of Daniel. And it's amazing how he is described when you really pull it all together. <laughs> and, and that, um, as I remarked before, it's coming from Gentile kings. So the first part here um, from chapter 2, this is when Daniel gives thanks to God after he reveals, after God reveals that Nebuchadnezzar's dream to him. So it says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Verse 23, To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. And then, so there's a lot of of elements in there that describe our Father in heaven. And then you have more in Nebuchadnezzar's response after Daniel reveals the dream. So farther along in the chapter, in chapter 2, in verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commended, sorry, commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. God of gods, king, Lord of kings. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Chapter 4. This is a Gentile king's letter extolling the God of Daniel. So in verses 1 through 3, it says, and this is coming from King Nebuchadnezzar, so King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. This is coming from a Gentile king. Smart man. Moving on down to verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. 
For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. So he's repeating this. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right, and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. He's certainly talking about himself there. May it not be us. So in chapter 6, this is, um, this is coming from Darius after bringing Daniel out of the lion's den. Um, and remember, you know, the, Darius had been tricked by his advisors um, to, to, to basically achieve the objective of getting rid of Daniel. And this was the decree that could not be reversed where no one could pray to anybody except Darius for a month. And, and they knew Daniel could not obey that because he was servant of the living God. They knew him as such. So starting, in, this is chapter 6, starting in verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So I'm going to wrap this all together now from what Daniel said about God and what um, Nebuchadnezzar and Darius said about God. And I'm going to pose it to you like this. Do we believe in a God who is the God of gods and Lord of kings, the most high God, the King of heaven? who is the living God and endures forever, whose works are right and ways are just, who humbles those who walk in pride, who does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, who none can stay his hand, to whom belong wisdom and might, who gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding, who reveals deep and hidden things, a revealer of mysteries, whom light dwells with and who knows what is in the darkness, who sets up and removes kings, whose kingdom shall never be destroyed and whose dominion shall have no end, who changes times and seasons, who works signs and wonders, who delivers and rescues, who answers prayer, who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Is this the God we believe in? You know, I look at this and I, I, I find it amazing that this is a pretty comprehensive um, description of God. A lot of God's attributes, uh, attributes here Certainly not complete, but it's amazing what you get out of the book of Daniel and how God is described. Very important elements here. So let's now look specifically at Daniel chapter 9. I, I mentioned it before. So this is um, when he has read the scriptures and he sees that Jerusalem will be rebuilt. So this is his prayer to rebuild Jerusalem. And during this time, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, calls him highly esteemed. So let's, and, and I, I pull this out. Um, by itself because it has descriptions of both Daniel and God within this chapter. So we see the interplay here. So 
Um, the question for us is, what can we learn from them? So when the time to rebuild Jerusalem uh, has arrived, as according to Jeremiah, starting verse 1 of chapter 9, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So at this point, Daniel approaches God by prayer, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And he pleaded for mercy and confessed. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, and now look how he describes God in his prayer. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. I can't help but notice how he is here extolling God right at the beginning, and it reminds me of how our Lord taught us to pray. Saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We extol God right at the beginning of how our Lord teaches us to pray. And I think it's also interesting to see here, we have a mention of covenant and steadfast love, which really hasn't been mentioned before in, in any of the descriptions of God. And I think this is especially important because this is coming from uh, a member of the, the Israelites who God has made a covenant with and has promised his steadfast love to them. So keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. And now he confesses how his people have been un unfaithful to, to the God he, uh, he had just described. So starting in verse 5, We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turned aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you, to us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. So I, I, I want to point out here, he is confessing the sin and then he, he identifies, he describes God as being merciful and forgiving. And we need to remember that ourselves as Christians, that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us those sins. He will do that. Please remember that. Then he goes on, starting in verse 12, to describe the calamity that, that had uh, befallen Israel. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God 
turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. And then Daniel continues by petitioning the Lord to relent. And, and, and look how he appeals to the Lord to act for his name's sake and for the Lord's righteousness. Verse 16, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not. For your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Before I continue with what what Gabrielle says, um, I, I think we as, as the church need to reflect upon this and consider our own actions and, and have we as a church writ large uh, sinned against the Lord with, with our own conduct, not being obedient um, to Him, and, and confess those sins and rely upon His mercy to forgive us those sins because he is a merciful God. When you read the letters to the churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation, you can't, can't help but wonder, is that us today? Which one of those letters? Is it all the letters? They're not all full of commendation from our Lord. Some of his rebuke and calls, calls the churches to repent. Our Lord does that. And as I, I said in a previous episode, the Lord has the power to take our candlestick away. And he has is, he is threatened to do that to one of the churches. And let that not be us. So I, I think we should all go back and read this prayer of Daniel and, and think about it from the context of, of us as the church and the body of Christ. So, um, continuing in verse 20, this is when um, the angel Gabriel arrives. While, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at, at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. How amazing is this? He's called greatly loved again. Greatly loved by God. This is what we should be. We should want to be greatly loved by God because of our obedience. Like Daniel. And I find it 
also amazing how it says at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a, war, a word went out. There was no delay. As soon as he cried for mercy, the word went out and Gabriel was sent. That's an awesome God. Could he respond to our pleas for mercy in the same way? Quite likely. So the, um, the last part from the book of Daniel that, that I, I want to look at is just a brief look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their faithfulness. And this is their encounter with Nebuchadnezzar and the fiery furnace as a witness to their faithfulness. So let's take a look at what it says about their faithfulness, similar to Daniel's, and also what it says about God. So this is in chapter 3 of Daniel, starting in verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Do you think that you might be asked this question someday? How will you respond? Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good, But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You know, we talk about faith, and especially in the New Testament, it talks about a a childlike faith, that, that we should have that sort of faith toward God, toward our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we should aspire to having the faith of a child. And and to me, when you read these about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I can't help but, but think, you know, is this what he's talking about, the faith of a child? That, you know, you believe God no matter what, like a child. You know, there there is no other way. It's God's way, and that's it. We certainly don't want to be seen, as the Lord says in, in the New Testament, ye of little faith. We want to have the faith of a child that he calls us for. We want to have strong faith. And we want to have the faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and of Daniel. So, continuing on in Daniel chapter 3, down to verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near... So this is after they had been thrown into the fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, 
for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. So again, a Gentile king extolling the living God. But let's go back to the description here in verse 28 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who had sent his angel and delivered his servants, described as God's servants. Again, do people think of us like that in our own lives? His servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yield up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Are we prepared for this? To yield up our bodies, to worship no other god, to set aside the king's command or the, the emperor's command or whoever the dictator's command or whoever it might be, and serve and worship our God, the God of heaven, King of kings and Lord of lords, rather than any other God. Are we, are we ready for that? Turn to, to Psalm 31. Um, this reminds me of how God protected Daniel and his companions, uh, starting in verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Sounds a lot like what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. So God certainly did that. He hid them in, their, in, their shelter and from, in his shelter and from the plots of these men. He protected them. This is our God, too. I think sometimes when we read Daniel, we, we lose sight of this. We, we see him, oh, he's, he's Jewish. He's part of the, is, the, is, uh, the nation of Israel. Um, so he's special. Um, you know, he, he's a special case. So you know, we, can't, we can't be like him. But I, I think he is absolutely an example for us in his conduct. So are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We, we should strive to want to be called servants of the Most High God by those people around us, beloved by God. We, we should strive for these things through our obedience. Have that childlike faith that they had where we're trusting our Lord for everything. We don't doubt. We're not double-minded. We read who our God is, and we believe it, and we act on it. We demonstrate our faith through our works, our actions. Or actions of faith. So I encourage you, go back and, and reread the book of Daniel from that perspective. Looking at how it describes God and, and, and look at the conduct of Daniel and his companions and, and how they're described, especially by God, by God himself. So I'm going to end with um, Psalm 32 and then a verse from Psalm 34 which I think also helped to kind of wrap this up and, uh, and conclude um, the, um, the ideas that, that I'm uh, sharing with you in this episode. So Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer, Salah. 
I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Salah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be, cur- which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And then finally, uh, the the 22nd verse in Psalm 34, The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And that is the good news for today. Let us turn our hearts and minds toward our God in heaven. Let us read about him and rejoice. Let us believe what the Bible says about our God. Let us strive to be his servants, servants of the Most High God like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, especially in the, in the world that we live in, in the times that we live. Let us be found faithful to our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.